Hello, hello, and welcome to Hotline Offline. I'm your host, Esther Choi. I'm a professional chef and full-time foodie. I've been to culinary school, worked in kitchens, and have run some of my own. And throughout it all, I've gotten a lot of practice at problem-solving in the kitchen and answering all the crazy questions. With the holidays right around the corner, it's super easy to get overwhelmed. For every amazing memory of a roast coming out of the oven just right, there's also a memory of a burnt pie, an overdone turkey, or a dinner party that had to be saved by a last-minute pizza delivery. Trust me, I've been there. There was one time that I was stuck in New York City traffic for like six hours with dinner in the trunk, and I got home at like 10 p.m., and so we just had to have dinner the following day. And you know, it happens. So to help prepare for the holidays this year, we invited Ella Quitner, longtime food writer, journalist, and Food 52 columnist onto the podcast to answer your burning questions. Ella is behind Food 52's absolute best tests where she breaks down the absolute best way to do, well, pretty much everything. So she's the perfect person to come in and talk about the ways to avoid holiday dinner disaster. Let's get to the hotline. Today, we're talking about all things holiday disasters and how to avoid them. So do you have any stories of a holiday disaster? Of course, I have to ask you that. Oh, definitely. I mean, where do I start? I feel like every year there's a different disaster. Just when I think I've planned enough, cooked enough in advance, stuffed the freezer, fridge with things that I've done in advance every year. I mean, last year... There was a, a prime rib roast that was overcooked. I feel like something almost always lights on fire. Um, my sisters and I are, you know, as the day goes on, one of us almost always leans into a candle and it's like that telltale smell of sort of like a hair, hair burning. On fire situation. <laughs> That's like a big Hanukkah thing for us too. I feel like someone's hair always gets lit on fire on Hanukkah. Oh my gosh, I can't think of just one cardinal holiday sin. I feel like every year we're (laughs) creatively coming up with new ones. Exactly, exactly. I remember one year, um, this is kind of not food related, but it's it's New York City traffic related. It took me eight hours to get home. You know, all of the guests were already there. I had no time to like reheat or reprep anything. So that was kind of crazy. Everyone was drunk by the time I arrived, so that kind of avoids, <laughs> avoids chaos. That's my number one holiday hosting tip for sure. It's just like, there's wine by the door. Welcome. Right. Okay. So why don't we get our first guest in here and we can get started with answering all the holiday disaster questions. Let's do it. Oh, hi, Courtney. Hi, how's it going? It's good. Thank you so much for calling in. Dying to hear your question. Oh my gosh, of course. So I am usually tasked with doing some of the sides for Thanksgiving. What are some good recommendations for things that still feel funky and interesting, but are like simple enough for people who don't have a crazy palate? Great question. I'm going to give you my little secret that I like to do with my sides because I, I kind of do like to jazz it up when it comes to my sides. Also, I'm Korean. So in my entire family, obviously loves Korean food. So I like to always kind of sneak that into my dishes. So I'll cook something like really traditional, like, let's say Brussels sprouts. Kimchi is kind of like my secret weapon when it comes to something like different or fun to do with a pretty traditional dish. That's, that's like a a nice little like add on that I would like to do. Like, even if it's something like 
uh, a chili oil or something that's like interesting that maybe you have an obsession with at the moment, you can kind of incorporate that one ingredient into like your favorite kind of classic side. No, that's a great tip. Like throwing something fun in that you're kind of into at the moment. Yeah. And that's what keeps it interesting because every year, obviously, you're going to be obsessed with maybe something new. Caramelized kimchi sounds so good. I want to add that to everything in my holiday menu. It's really good. You caramelize it with a little honey and it's just, it's kind of like caramelized onions, but it's caramelized kimchi and then add a little honey at the end. And I, I don't know, it goes well with like everything. I love that idea. The other thing I would say, Courtney, is I have a few picky eaters in my extended family or people with different dietary restrictions and stuff. And I, like you, like to have a party with the sides. Like, I think the sides for me are the main. I think the sides should be like incredibly fun. And I think about the sides all year round. Um, And I think doing like a bit of a DIY situation can be really helpful. Like it lets you have lots of options for how you want to put something together and like sauces and garnishes and more kind of funky flavors or more sort of sophisticated presentations or kind of uh, combinations than your family might want. Um, but it lets them just take like whatever the sort of plain pieces are. And what I mean by that is, for example, if you were tasked with potatoes, there's like a great recipe I love. It's very classic. You boil chunks of potatoes in salty water, then you roast them in a high temp oven, tossed with a lot of oil, super crispy, super starchy, delicious, something that it sounds like your family would really like because it's a very classic roasted potato that's just seasoned with sort of salt, pepper, maybe a pinch of cayenne or a little rosemary and oil. But what I would say is for someone like you, I would set it up in a sort of DIY way on your Thanksgiving or holiday spread, right? So maybe you make a little garlic aioli and you have that in a little bowl next to the potato platter. And then you have a little chili oil and another bowl next to that or a little caramelized kimchi and a little bowl next to that. So it's almost like you're making like a bit of a DIY kind of side board where you can go over and put a little aioli on your plate, put the potatoes on that, put the chili crisp on that, put your scallions or caramelized kimchi or whatever on top of that. But your family can just go over and take the potatoes. Um, And it's something for everyone. It also looks very festive to have a bunch of little bowls of garnishes and sauces out next to the food. It looks very savory and colorful. So I think it's something everyone can get on board with, even if they're not hitting up the toppings bar quite as hard as you are. That is a great idea too. I hadn't thought about doing anything like a toppings bar situation. That's perfect for a picky family. That is awesome. I love that because I would probably put like those toppings on my other, yeah. <laughs> other like me. Oh my God. Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like anything that anyone would want to put on like a baked potato, I would want to slather on like a dry piece of white meat. Anything that could all go on one fork in one bite at the same time is like kind of what you're looking for. Exactly. Yes. hundred percent. Okay, Courtney, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate the insights. Thanks for stopping by. I hope things get really crazy with your sides. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. So let's let in our next guest. Yes. Hi, Dominique. Hello, everyone. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? We are fabulous. Thank you so much for calling in today. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, There's a lot of, you know, uh, events happening with friends or family during the holidays. And I don't drive, so either walking or uh, a train is going to be my way of getting to places. So what's something that's like really tasty that I could bring that transports really well in these situations? Okay, Dominique, I have a follow-up question for you before I answer that. Okay. Are you thinking savory or sweet or you don't care? I don't care. 
I'm going to go with bread rolls. I feel like bread rolls are like the side that everyone really wants, like a nice Parker house roll. There's a really good one on Food 52. It's sort of a double folded one, I think with a little potato starch in it. So it's super soft, just a touch of sugar can make it in advance, travels super well, because by the time you've already baked them off, they're like completely set. And then you can just warm them up at like 200 degrees in someone's oven and do a final sort of pastry brush of butter, salt, garlic, whatever you want right before you serve them. I would be so psyched if someone brought warm bread rolls to my Thanksgiving. And you can't, I don't think a little bump on the train or a little traffic on the street is going to mess them up. I think they're going to be so well received. I love that. And it's also really light because it's bread, right? So it's easy to carry, right? Um, I would also like to say that Something that you can assemble maybe on site is really great too. Like um, if you, let's say a salad or a side that you can kind of prep in advance and then do like a quick reheat, something that you can finish when you're there. So the quality is better. Sometimes when you're reheating, it can get like soggy or, you know, how you carry it can get messy. So if you just bring all the ingredients kind of like already ready and just kind of like finish it off when you get there, that's how I kind of like to bring food to, you know, my friend's place or friend or family's place, because uh, it's just, you know, you want to eat it at its best form possible, which is, you know, when you just make it right. So I feel like even like a salad, if you have the salad assembled, you bring the dressing and dress it when you get there, something that you can like finish on site and plate when you get there, that would be my advice. Nice. I think those are great answers. Thanks. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys later. Are we ready for our next guest? Let's do it. I'm so ready. Let them in. Hello, David. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for calling in. What questions do you have for us? Okay. So this is a scenario I haven't been in yet, but I've always wondered. So I wanted to to hear what you kind of have to say, because you probably know better than I would. (laughs) So I'm someone who's like pretty peculiar about like what I eat, both in terms of like health purposes, but also like in terms of what tastes. So say I went to an important dinner party. I don't know if it's like meeting my girlfriend's family for the first time or like a work event. And like they bring out the food and it just smells horrible. Like whatever it is, like you're just like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, whatever that is, like, I don't want it. (laughs) I don't know what's going to do to my body. I don't know what's going to do to my mind. Like what advice would you give me to sort of like to not have to do it, but also like to not like be the enemy of everybody there. Right. Right. To politely decline. I mean, I would definitely say you still have to try it once. No, like, I, I feel like that's really important because at least you kind of show that etiquette of you did try Maybe if it's like, I'm a vegetarian, that's always like a good excuse when you have like a dietary thing. Would you be open to at least trying it once though? For sure. And I, and I wasn't sure also about like how, um, say you gave like maybe a little constructive feedback. Like, I don't know how much well people take good faith commentary on, uh, on their, their cooking or their preparation, any of that stuff. Ella, what do you think? Yeah, I maybe would in like the case of sort of holidays or you you frame this as sort of like an important first meeting. I would maybe hold back on the constructive feedback as, you know, useful as that might be if you have a more like established relationship with them later. If it's like your partner and they're cooking for you a lot and they ask for it. Just because I think the etiquette when someone's hosting is like 
thank you for doing all this work for me. Whether or not the results sort of jibes with what you were expecting or what you would be doing ideally, it's like they've invited you into their home. They put in all this time and effort. I echo what Esther said that I feel like you should try it unless you're allergic or something because you might be really pleasantly surprised. Like how many of my favorite things are things that I never would have tried myself and then someone made for me and I'm like obsessed and can't stop eating them now, whether I wouldn't have tried them because I thought that you mentioned you're really into like wellness and health stuff. So maybe I viewed it as like an unhealthier thing. And now I'm like, actually, I can completely see that my body really likes this thing and I'm obsessed with the way it tastes. And one other thought on that sort of initial question when you're asking it, I feel like if you ever have the opportunity to bring something as well that you know you will like, that can be a really nice way around what you're asking. Like you mentioned, you're really sort of like fitness and health focused. So I'm guessing you're kind of looking to eat a lot of like vegetables, probably freaks you out when there's a lot of sort of like butter drenched stuff or whatever that you don't typically love to consume at home. So I feel like it's sort of a two birds, one stone situation. If you can bring something that you know you're going to want to eat, that's something that you like putting in your body. And it's also sort of like a gift to the host, right? It's like, I brought my favorite salad. I'm so excited to meet you parents of my significant other um, that I wanted to bring you this like family recipe that I love. And then, you know, there's going to be something on the table that you want to fill your plate with. Also, you get those brownie points. They already like you because you brought something. Totally. That's a fantastic point that I did not think of, (laughs) but definitely. uh, Well, I appreciate your help with this. David, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Good luck. I hope the meeting goes well. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. He was so funny. He's like, what if, for example, it's really important, like you're meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time, per se. (laughs) It's like, good luck. You're going to have a great time. (laughs) So let's let in our next guest. Hi, Ariel. Hi. Welcome. So I guess my question is always, I go to my fiance's family house for um, the holidays and I feel like we always kind of make a trip out of it. So I can't, I never really like show up prepared with like the dishes that I'm making. So what is like the best way to be able to bring over whatever dishes you want to make, but also like be mindful of the host's space and not like be taking over when they want to prep things, like just kind of the best way to have courtesy when you're having to prepare stuff in other people's homes? Sure. Great question. I think it's great to kind of ask the host what they're preparing, because it's obviously you want to be able to be, first of all, mindful of what they're making and how their time is going to be spent in the kitchen. So working your dish and menu around that would be um, the first step or even something that will last like room temperature. Obviously, it's going to depend on how many days you are there in advance so that that's going to kind of matter. But something like cookies or, you know, baked goods can like last at least like a day or two at room temperature that you can kind of do like a quick reheat or uh, or something like that. I'm in the same boat as you, Ariel. Every year I've been Thanksgiving and Christmas with my in-laws and my mother-in-law is a fantastic cook. So she always has sort of the menu in lockstep ready to go. Um, and I love to cook as well, obviously. So it was it's, all, it's always a little bit of a balance because I don't want to seem rude, like I'm adding stuff because I love what she makes. But I have my own favorite weird like family things that don't even sound like a thing, like carrot ring, for example, if you've ever heard of that. So I would say a couple of things that I've done to try to 
walk that very fine between being a polite house guest and also having some of the things that I really love added to the menu or like Esther saying, be really respectful and thoughtful about planning. And then you can either make the decision to like me be a total crazy person and like wake up at like 6am and do your thing to get it out of the way. So you're not in there and there and there, or so you can have the conversation like, Hey, is it going to be huge pain in the butt if I'm over on this? Like two by two little area of the counter doing my thing, going to need the kitchen aid. I'm going to need the blender and I'm going to do all my dishes. Like, does this time work for you for me over here? And the other thing is I really try to get my own groceries when I can. So I don't know what your travel plans are, but usually I'm flying in. So I can't necessarily like make a thing and bring it on the plane. But what I can do is force my fiance to drive me to the grocery store so I can get all the stuff I need. So I don't have to like ask anyone basically to do my prep work. Um, And that always actually turns into a really fun part of the experience because you like get out of the house, can debrief a little bit, you know, holidays, it can be a lot with families and just like time with everyone. I'm a huge introvert. You know, I love to spend that hour like wandering through the local grocery store and seeing what they have. Um, And it becomes like a really fun part of it. And then you're out of their hair for a bit too. So they can be in the kitchen doing their prep. So it's just kind of, yeah, walking that fine line. I feel like his parents are so kind and like, they don't mind at all. But I always, I don't want to feel like that person who's like, kind of like the kid home from college that I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I want to do and like take over your space. So I do like those tips a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ariel. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. You know, I was thinking actually uh, what another good advice would be when you said that you go to the grocery store, when you get there, you could maybe doing, Um, a dish that doesn't require kitchen space. Like if you buy things for a cheese board, you could do that in the living room. So if you think of a dish that you can make that's like not in the way, that could be like something really good to do. 100%. I just spent the last six months living in LA in a rental apartment that didn't have an oven. And I have shocked myself with the number of dishes I learned to make in my bedroom, basically, <laughs> because my kitchen area was so small. Like for the holidays, so many things come to mind. Like you're saying, a charcuterie board, a cheese plate. Also, you could do like a full shaved Brussels sprout salad. You could do any sort of vegetable crudite or, or, or like a vegetable carpaccio. It would look really elegant if you just mandolin some like beets or even pickled vegetables with olive oil and flaky salt, like anything really vegetal that's not cooked, you could do totally out of the way. Right. Definitely. And some raw desserts. Like, um, I feel like Emma has some really good recipes on Food 52 for like two ingredient chocolate and peanut butter mousses that I believe are no cook. Even like a trifle or something like that, that could just like Mm. sit and become a dessert as it sits. Oh my gosh. Now I want a trifle really (laughs) badly. I want like a gingerbread, butterscotch, toffee. And I don't even love holiday flavors, but you're just making me want a trifle. So let's let in our next guest. You ready, Ella? Yes, I'm ready. Hey, this is Harry. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Uh, Thanks for having me. So I'm kind of a perfectionist, especially when it comes to anything that comes out of my kitchen. So when I am inviting uh, people over for, you know, any sort of dinner party, gathering, holiday, whatever, I get super anxious about, you know, putting people to work, but having them chop something in a way that maybe I don't want them to, or 
dress a salad in a way that's, you know, maybe not the best. Like, how do I kind of get people to come over and help out with putting together this great meal while making sure it also comes out flawlessly? I have a thought because I lived with a couple of my best friends for many years, one of whom is a fabulous cook and who I love to cook with all the time. And two of whom are delightful people do not cook. Um, And they always wanted to help, you know, when we were having dinner parties for the holidays or whatever. Something we always did that made everyone feel super included and part of the event and very festive, but didn't um, sort of trigger that like perfectionist anxiety or talking about Harry is give them jobs that really do cater to their strengths. So my friend Jaquem, for example, has a beautiful eye. She's really good at like party planning and events and spaces. So she would always be in charge of tablescape, right? She would come in like, what can I do? It'd be like, go to the flower market. Here's the theme, pick these things. Or in the case of the holidays, I might tell her in advance and she could come home with you know, whatever, like a little lemon tree or rosemary or whatever, and do this just beautiful festive tablescape that looks really good with whatever the new is. Things like that, you know, Amanda, maybe I would say, can you make the playlist? Can you do this? Like, can it's going to be three hours. So can you do like four and a half hours on Spotify? Because, you know, we're going to skip some songs. People might stay late. Another thing is batch cocktails, because I do think that that's something you can continue to tweak, especially if it's something simple like a Negroni or like a batched martini, a batch Vesper martini, something with only three ingredients. Even as someone who can empathize with your pathetic, uh, your, I'm sorry, your perfectionist. <laughs> and, and we're not pathetic at all. We're perfect. Someone who can empathize with your um, perfectionist tendencies and anxieties. I think a cocktail is something that you can always go in and tweak. Like, thank you so much. This is great. You did such a beautiful job. Go sit. I'll just finish it up and serve it and bring it out to you. You can add a little more vermouth or whatever it is and serve it and have it be to your liking more easily than you can like de-cook a beef tenderloin that's been overdone or like re-dice an onion that's like sloppy and uneven. Ella, I love that all of the tasks that you're giving out are not cooking related. (laughs) It's like... Oh, go set the table. Oh, just make the cocktail. Like nothing cooking wise. Let me handle it. I want you to relax. Just repeat oh that God. again. again. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, um, I do totally agree with you when it comes to knowing someone's strength and like sticking to it. When I'm even cooking like in my restaurants and I like have my set of cooks, not every cook is good at everything. And maybe like giving them tasks that will kind of live up to your expectation, Harry, that would work. Like, For example, like when I say mandolin, mandolin's great because everything comes out very uniform and perfectly shaped. So um, maybe planning and thinking about what they can do to kind of satisfy your uh, perfectionist needs, because even the best leaders are, you know, just the best delegators. One last thought on that, Harry, is like just thinking of little ways for yourself. If you do anticipate that it's not going to pass muster, if you're like, hey, do the tablescape or make the playlist. Um, or do the dishes. If you really do feel like you need to give out cooking tasks, but you're feeling nervous about the outcome, I would say give out cooking tasks. There are so many holiday dishes that you can really save or zhuzh up with a garnish at the end. Like, for example, I'm thinking about like a potato gratin or something like a vegetable, you know, where you've shingled it and baked it at a low temperature. Like that's something that if it didn't look super pretty at the end, like they didn't cut the potatoes to your specifications or whatever you would do. You can just kind of put a whole like massive Gruyere over the top and pop it under the broiler before you serve it. And it is going to look so savory and so good. And then you've given someone like a main dish that they can help with that makes them feel super included and important. Love that. That's all super, super helpful. 
Thanks for all the advice. I'm looking forward to throwing a uh, pathetic, I mean, perfect dinner. <laughs> Good luck with your party, Harry. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. But I guess also Harry's question made me think about, I feel like the holidays are also a good time to practice a sort of meditative, like letting go a little bit of some of the things that we hold so tight onto because the, so much stuff is out of your control when you're like mashed into a home, either with family or friends or people that you don't usually spend a ton of time with, like so many of your usual routines and I almost like, you know, I don't want to say it, but so many of your sort of usual boundaries that you're able to set and keep really structured for yourself kind of go out the window. Yeah, right. And it is a good time to sort of the best as you can be like, I, I'm appreciating that I'm spending time with these people I love or people who I love, love and kind of let yourself marinate in that and be like, I have, you know, 363 days a year to be a perfectionist in my own kitchen and plate my cacio pepe exactly how I want it and roast my turkey exactly how I want it. Mm-hmm. But some of the sort of beauty and magic of coming together as a family is, or a group is like, you know, a little bit of that messiness and letting go. I do love that idea because sometimes it's stressful Without even the cooking, it's just stressful being around family and friends sometimes because you haven't seen each other in a long time. You're talking about like crazy things like, why are you still single? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, there it's already stressful having yeah. to absorb all that energy. Like everyone's going to love the food because they're going to be, you know, drinking and they're going to be happy, you know, and spending time with family anyway. So I, I do love the idea of the uh, process of kind of just letting it be. Are we ready for our next guest? Let's do it. I'm so ready. Let them in. Hi, Charmin. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for calling in. Of course. My burning question is I've tried to make mashed potatoes ahead of time, and it never comes out creamy enough when I reheat it the day of. What's the trick? Oh, I have a good one for this. I'd say... When you're making your mashed potatoes, obviously you're kind of um, creaming it out with either heavy cream or milk or butter. Save some of that mixture for the day you're reheating. Because when you do reheat, you're going to want to keep adding a little bit more of that liquid that you're you know, making it creamy with because potato kind of is very dense. And when you are reheating it, if it doesn't have enough moisture, that's when it gets like really stiff and kind of gummy. So you definitely want to have extra of that mixture. And so when you are reheating it, you reheat it with the additional cream. Okay. And I usually like put it in the tray that I'm going to like kind of serve it in like the glass Pyrex mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> baking dish usually. Um, so would I just pour the mixture just on top and then put it in the oven, cover it and put it in the oven? I would suggest to um, not put it in the serveware yet you reheat it first and then put it in the serveware when you're about to serve. And that I feel like that is kind of one of the main reheating kind of habits that you always should have. When you're reheating it, try to reheat it in an actual bakeware or something that you're not going to serve it in. And when you're ready to serve, that's when you put it in the serveware. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Ella, do you have another tip? Oh, I, I think your tip is brilliant. And I would go even so far as to say, in addition to reserving some of the cream and butter and salt and whatever you're going to add right when you're finishing it to serve it, I would also say under mash your potatoes a little the day before. So you're keeping it in the pot that you're mashing it in, right? So I would say mash it to like 90, 95% of how smooth you'd like it to be. 
and, you know, add whatever two thirds ish of the stuff. And, and like Esther saying, reserve sort of, you know, a good chunk of that butter and dairy and salt and cheese and stuff to add when you're finishing because potatoes will absorb as much as you give them. And that's why when you're reheating them, they're like seeming a little bit dry because they've already absorbed it all the day before. And now you're like essentially reheating it and zapping out some of the moisture that you've already added. But if you also just reserve a little bit of the mashing for when you rewarm them, what happens with mashed potatoes is perfectly fluffy, creamy mashed potatoes are that way because you're reaching the best possible point of like mashedness. So when you mash a potato, you're breaking down these cells and then that are basically like the glue of mashed potatoes, right? So if you've ever made the mistake of putting them in a food processor, you're like shredding it and releasing too much starch and it's turning into like school paste. I usually use a ricer. Yeah, a ricer is awesome, but I would say maybe warm it and rice them kind of the day of as you're doing the final mixing in so that you're releasing some of that starch to be the creamy glue for the final product. And then, yeah, you're adding in some of the finishing stuff. And the only other thing I would say is if you try all this stuff and you're still feeling underwhelmed by your potatoes, something I always do when I make mashed potatoes in advance, but I want to make sure they seem very like day of exciting, um, like kind of the star of the show is I like to cream a few leeks and then put those on top. So basically take a few leeks or or you could use scallions or you could use any sort of shallots or anything in the onion family, allium family would be good. But basically the idea is you're creating a topping, almost like chili crisp. You're creating something that you're like cooking down so much in the oil and crisping up that it's like this exciting thing that's going on top that's adding texture and flavor, um, which I think can really save some potatoes. And I always reserve some of it. So when I eat the leftovers the day after the holidays, I'll like reserve some of that sort of whatever that creamed and then kind of frizzled vegetable or alley mixture is. I'll like put a little bit of that on my reheated leftovers as well. And it makes them feel fresh and young again. I love that. Nothing a little garnish can't fix. (laughs) Thank you so much for calling in, Charmin. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Garnish fixes everything. I love nothing a little garnish can't fix. People eat with their eyes first. Like, honestly, I feel like with holiday meals, there's so many things on the table. You know, there's like literally like 12 to 15 dishes. Sometimes when you put a little bit of everything on a plate, you don't even know what you're eating anymore. It's just like this one big plate of food. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of disguise that you can do. A lot of fixing. The garnish is also like a context clue, like you're saying. Once you put like 80 little piles of things on your plate, it's like, oh, the chive thing, that must be potatoes. Yes, the garnish helps distinguish what's what. Well, I feel like I learned a ton and I'm just like refreshed with all of my holiday questions I had. Oh, 100%. I actually am really surprised by the questions people had. Like I, before we started this, was like frantically Googling and refreshing my memory. I was like, how do you cook a ham? What do you do with ham? (laughs) Um, and like, what temperature should a tenderloin be? And how like roasted should a Brussels sprout be? I thought a lot of people were going to come on and be like, what do you do if you burn your turkey? Or if right. it's like when you first get it. Um, and it seems like actually a lot of people, a lot of questions seem to revolve around kind of like spending time with people that they don't typically spend time with, like meshing with family, cooking with not strangers per se, but friends or friends or family or significant others family. And I was sort of surprised by that. It's really more about the mentality, right? Yeah, more about the mentality than the technique. I do really appreciate the insight of the questions. And I'm really touched by, I feel like last year, a lot of people spent Thanksgiving alone or had a smaller Thanksgiving while we were, a lot of us were still quarantining or at least kind of laying low, sort of pre-vaccine. And I feel like I was really touched by the fact that a lot of people who called in 
had these really thoughtful, sweet questions about how to spend time with other people in a way that made those people feel good, yeah. but still sort of had their needs met. That's really sweet. You know, they're getting back together for the holidays and they want to make sure that they're not stepping on their mother-in-law's toes when they make like their version of stuffing or whatever. And that's really nice. Well, Ella, thank you so much for joining me. I loved our conversation today. You are seriously a wealth of knowledge. So if our listeners want to follow you, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. My handle's at eQuitner with two T's or on Twitter. My handle's at Ella Quitner. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm getting really excited for the holidays now coming up. I really didn't really have any thoughts yet just being like super busy and always like getting caught up in my own life. But now that I think about the holidays and having this conversation makes me just like feel warm inside. Well, now I'm getting into the holiday spirit after this conversation. I know I'm going to fall asleep dreaming of your turkey stuffed with sticky rice. Thanks again, Ella Quintner, for hopping on the call with us. And thank you to all who called in with your questions. If you have any more questions that you're dying to know the answer to, remember to leave me a message at 518-291-9877. Hotline Offline is a Food 52 podcast and is produced by Coral Lee and Harry Sultan. Remember to follow so no questions go unanswered and no answer goes unheard.